0: Welcome to Tim Stodd's FM, where each week we discuss new ideas and tactics to help you succeed in business, relationships, and life. And now your host, Tim Stoddard. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddard. Welcome to the Tim Stodd's podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you all had an amazing weekend. I hope everybody is feeling great on this Monday morning. My guest today My guest this week is Eric Bergman. Eric sold a company for $400 million in his 20s. And he has since dedicated his life to trying to make the world a better place and to serve the world and to teach people how to be rich and how to be happy. He and I share so many of the same beliefs when it comes to money, when it comes to service, when it comes to how we can best leverage our time to do the most good in the world. And it was a very, very fascinating podcast for me. It was a very fascinating interview. And I left this podcast just feeling so inspired and feeling like I have so much more to give. So speaking about giving, after Eric sold his company, he started a new initiative called Great.com, just like it sounds, dot com. And Eric's mission is to start nonprofits, work with charities, but to use charity work and to bring an entrepreneurial mind frame in the charity work that he does. We have a lot of conversations in this podcast about some of the problems with charity work and how it's very difficult to scale. And so Eric is doing an amazing job bringing some of the strategies and tactics of entrepreneurship and and applying them to different kind of charities to like we talked about before use leverage to do the most good in the world it's a fascinating podcast he's a fascinating dude i was so inspired after i talked to him please help me welcome and enjoy this amazing interview with eric bergman
1: camera you have right behind you or what is
0: that yeah well this is just a webcam this is uh I just make like marketing videos for my company and stuff like that. I don't really, I'm not very good at it. I see some YouTubers and they're like so natural. So I'm, I'm trying to get better, but it's fun. I enjoy doing it.
1: I just plugged in my camera like that and using that as a webcam. So I have, oh,
0: cool. I've been uh, trying to figure out how to do that. I need to buy like some kind of um, some. Yeah, quarter- you
1: need a cam link uh, and that's pretty much it. So it's just at least that's what I need. Uh, so there is. There is a little adapter that you need. It's cost like a hundred bucks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just a USB cable. Uh, and...
0: <laughs> okay, so before we... I can show you the differences between... Um, well, it's a big difference because I got some friends on Twitter that are streamers. And so they were showing me their setup and like the difference in quality is huge. Oh my gosh, the, wow.
1: This is the regular Apple camera. So on yeah. a MacBook.
0: And this is <laughs> holy shit it's it's
1: crazy difference
0: yeah. oh, that's amazing yeah thanks man i'll definitely do that yeah if you have the camera might as well might uh, as well it's for sure crazy yeah well uh we're recording man so maybe yeah. i'll just <laughs> maybe i'll just open up the podcast with that uh eric like i said before the show thank you so much for joining me on my podcast i really appreciate your time uh there's a whole lot of stuff I want to talk to you about, but I thought a really good conversation opener was something that you and I were briefly speaking about on Twitter. And if you go to your Twitter bio, you open with, I want you to be rich and happy. And I thought this, this would be a cool conversation to start with because, you know, when I was younger, the idea of being rich and the idea of wealth and rich people always had kind of a negative connotation in my head, like my family was lower income, we we're a real blue collar. And I always thought that being wealthy or being rich meant that, that I, mean, I don't even know what it meant, like you had low values, or you must have cheated somebody or, or did something to get that right. And as I've gotten older, and I've, um, I've always been an entrepreneur, but as I've seen success and learned about wealth, my viewpoint on it has completely changed. Whereas I don't see wealth as being evil anymore i see like poverty really as being the root of of evil and the root of suffering so um is a little bit of an open-ended question just kind of a conversation starter but i want to hear your viewpoints on why why you have that in in your message like why you want to see other people live a rich life and live with wealth
1: i think so I come from a very blue collar family as well. I am yeah. I was brought up like that and we were living outside of the city. So I belonged to the like rich and fancy school district, but living far outside in school bus kind of situation. Uh, so I, I always felt inferior to my schoolmates. I never had the stuff that they had. I didn't have the phone. I didn't have the golf clubs. I didn't have the cars and whatnot. Um, So I I was chasing money to a large extent for a long time of my life. And I managed to achieve a lot of wealth at age 28. We took our company to to the stock exchange at a $200 million valuation. And in that day alone, I made $15 million, which was more money than I could ever have dreamed of. And I was euphoric and super happy for about 24 hours mm-hmm. and and after that i was down to the ground again and like realizing why am i not happy and now i've accomplished everything that i wanted what is missing and i ended up breaking up with my girlfriend thinking that that would fix things it definitely did not and i started soul searching and got into to charity in various ways and giving back and somewhere there i found meaning. And up until then, I have only been thinking about myself and building my wealth and building these things. And suddenly I saw that money can actually accomplish so much more. So I went to, I went to Africa, to Ghana, Western Africa, and I visited a school there, which I had helped fund. And a friend of mine uh, ran the school, his name is Toshtan. and in the afternoon, he told me that in this school, the kids does never get beaten up. And to me, that was, of course, they're not getting beaten up. And then it kind of dawned on me, like everywhere else in this village, yeah. the kids got beaten up. Yeah. And there was like, I never thought that money could represent safety for children. So money got a different, got a completely new value to me in that conversation. And, since then i found meaning in giving it away meaning in helping people and i found happiness in that so when i'm saying that i want people to be rich and happy i'm saying that because i believe that a rich and happy person is someone who wants to help other people and they have the means to really make an impact so when i see bill gates to me he is a rich and happy person he strikes me as a genuinely happy person and Probably no one on earth has helped more people today than than he has. And I see Warren Buffett. And to me, he strikes me as a happy person. And I think he's given away $38 billion or so to charity. So he's a rich and happy person. And then I see some other of the wealthiest people in the world, some other of the big names. And they seem to dedicate their full life to work. They seem to have a drive which isn't, which doesn't come from happiness. If you look at Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, to me, they don't struck me as happy people. I don't see them as happy people from what I've seen. Maybe they are. And at the same time, I don't see them as people who are working to help in the same way as and War- Will Gates and Warren Buffett. So when I'm saying that I want people to be rich and happy, I want them first to make money because I think that having money is a big part of being happy. If you don't have any money, it's really hard to be happy, but I want people to, when they have money, think more about how can I help others and what is happiness and how can I feel fulfilled in myself? Cause I believe that's when people will, will help. So I'm talking a lot on, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and on our podcast about how to live a happy life. Cause I think that's a big part about getting wealthy, getting rich, but also to make the other people around us happy. So the, That's what I mean when I'm saying I want people to be rich and happy, because I believe that rich and happy people are the ones that can make the best impact in the world.
0: Damn. There's just a lot to unpack there. I've had very similar philosophies, and the way that I came across these conclusions were much different than you. Um, I, I got it a little bit the opposite, whereas... I found a lot of peace and fulfillment in service before I learned, before my companies really started taking off. Uh, Everybody on my podcast knows, and they're probably sick of me talking about this over and over again, but it's such a big part of my life. But I got sober 10 years ago. And so my service has been very, very much involved with helping other people, most likely like younger men uh, who are just in a tough spot or broken or hooked on drugs. A lot of times they have abuse and trauma issues that they've dealt with. And, and the, the it's helping other people is beneficial in both ways, which is why it's so cool because you get to help somebody else, but in helping somebody else, you actually get to help yourself. So in a way it's like a very self-serving act. And I've always felt that it's important to say that because it's not like, I love being of service, but I love it for what it also does for me, right? And and so that was the first part of my journey. But then what I saw, I I just love how you talk about you do have to make money first because I've been on both ends of it. And I say I've lived with no money and I've lived with money, and living with no money is way worse. And like I don't care what anybody says in some kind of spiritual happiness book like being broke and poor sucks. And I just, like, there's just no way to say that it doesn't. It just really sucks. And so, like, you summarized that idea so much better than I did. Obviously, that I'm, I'm almost, like, a little taken back with how just profound and eloquent, and eloquent those statements were. But the combination of having financial security with the combination of, like, using what you've learned and gained to give back to the world, Right, like I really, really think that's just a great recipe for, for I mean, like you said, happiness for fulfillment.
1: Yeah, I believe the same thing. And I mean, another level to that is also like why I want people to be rich and happy is that if you are rich and helping other people, you can serve in a completely different way. For sure. And
0: hopefully, you no like that.
1: Yeah, you, you can scale things. You've understood mm-hmm. things. One of the sad parts about charity is that it's i mean the best and the worst thing about charity is that it's driven by the heart for sure uh, and the heart is a wonderful place, place a little place muscle or whatever you want to call it but it's a stupid thing uh so you're a lot of the charities out there are started with the best intentions but they might not make such a big impact so i'll tell another story when i when I started getting involved with with charity, uh, this school was one of the first things I did, and the first uh, first big donation that I did. Well, let's start in another place. Uh, so I met I met a friend, uh, and his name is Magnus, and he had just come back from uh, from India, and he came visiting me, and we had dinner, and he started telling me this story about his trip, and he had uh, he had been involved with a charity organization there working to save uh, children from sex slavery. Like, I'm not gonna go into this in vivid details, but the worst possible scenarios you can imagine, Mm. times a hundred. And he started telling me this vivid stories and I found myself just speechless. And then he left that evening and I felt to myself, I have two options right now. I could either dedicate my entire life to saving these children and doing things about it. Or I can close my eyes, pretend I've never heard this, and move on with my my life. I I can't not act on this and think about it. And I'm ashamed to say that I put all of these stories to the side and I went on with my life. I didn't take any action. And then probably six months later, I stumbled into a story about this charity organization and it described what they've been doing, the actions they had taken, how they save these girls. And then by the end of the article, it says that it cost about $1,000 to save a girl from this hell on earth. And that number just stuck with me because I was reading this on a phone that cost more than thousand dollars. And by just holding that phone, I've made the decision of letting a child be in captivity because I could have given that money away and and saved that person. And ever since then, I've I've had this way of thinking about money, like, okay, $1,000 could be that. And after this, I ended up donating $100,000 to this charity organization and following their work for a while. And what I've learned from that, which is even worse, was that I realized that, even though this money made some, it's a wonderful organization, it started with beautiful people, hardworking heroes. But what they didn't do, was, so let's say let's say you have 100 girls, and they've been kidnapped or sold or bought or whatever, and they're held in captivity. And you rescue these 100 girls, and they get to go to school and whatnot, all of these wonderful things. But you still have a supply and a demand. And... Someone is going to kidnap other girls. Someone is going to hold other girls in captivity. And maybe I didn't do any difference at all. Maybe I didn't have any positive impact at all. Maybe my effect was that 100 innocent girls got sold or kidnapped instead. So just looking at this from the outside, I might not have done anything good at all with my money, which feels crazy to say. But that can be true. I might even have made harm because maybe the first girls got to be outside and the second, then they mm-hmm. got saved and the second one didn't. So this is the like tricky part with charity is that they work with the most, I would say one of the most important causes in the world to solve. But saving girls doesn't unfortunately do any difference. So I believe that the underlying problem here is extreme poverty. Like no one, I don't believe anyone would kidnap girls or Even worse, no one would sell their children because a lot of these have been sold unless they are at the verge of absolute desperation. So the problem here isn't sex trafficking or slavery or whatever. The problem is extreme poverty. So today I'm not giving any money to this organization even though they're doing amazing things because I don't believe that they actually solve the underlying problem. So when I'm doing charity now, I'm doing to... I'm focusing either on extreme poverty or climate change because I believe that climate change will create so much extreme poverty. So these are like the different things with like charity. It started by the heart. It's beautiful. You need to do something with these causes, but then the brain needs to be involved. So yeah, that's, that's a challenging part about being rich first and then doing charity and hopefully being learning about systems and statistics and mm-hmm. underlying problems.
0: It's definitely a conundrum, right? Because I've, I've seen the same thing in work with, well, 12-step work isn't necessarily a charity. It's just a, it's a fellowship, right? But a lot of the mentality by that is just one person at a time. It's just one person helping one person at a time. Very similar to, to you trying to save these girls. And it, it's, it's fundamentally true. But like you talked about before, it's still not scalable because you're only kind of solving the problem as fast as the problem occurs, right? So you're never actually getting ahead of a solution. And I think about, I think about that all the time when it comes to the addiction problem in the world, especially in America, whereas, and also with climate change, too, that's another one that I think about a lot, because I think to myself, the the reason why people resort to measures that have such a negative impact on their own lives, or on the climate, or whatever, is just because of poverty. It's not like they want to, it's that they're desperate. And so I, I think all the time about ways where What would the world be like if we could figure out how to spread wealth more efficiently? And, you know, this is getting into just areas where it gets touchy because I'm not very much of a political person. But that's actually why I'm much more of a believer in just entrepreneurial, like capitalist structures, because I think there's a better chance for them to spread wealth amongst each other. So that everybody can can get wealthy, as opposed to everybody like sharing the same piece of the pie, and uh, and it's a very difficult problem to solve. But I think at the root of it, you're absolutely right. Like, you need to combine these heartfelt people that are willing to do the one-on-one work with the mentality of like an entrepreneur who can approach this problem with root causes and markets and demands and figuring out how to scale the solution properly so that like one person can actually help a hundred people as opposed to one person just solving a problem for one other person.
1: Yeah, most definitely.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, this is the root of, of your message. And you got here through the journey of selling your company, um, admittedly i was doing research on you as i do before every podcast and i i couldn't find where this company was i found great.com and and all the work there and i'd like to obviously get there but what was what was the catalyst for this sale what was the company that you created and and how did you end up selling it
1: so I started companies in, in school and I kept failing over and over. I tried to be a party planner. I tried to build websites. I tried a web agency. I built a lunch guide. And then a friend of mine introduced me to online bingo, which was just starting out. And this was in 2008, I think. I'm 20 years old. And I was like... Bingo, that's for old ladies, what the fuck, Um, but (laughs) me and my childhood friend gave it a try anyway, so we built a website about bingo, online bingo, and guides, like bonuses, offers, these kinds of things, some casino things in there, and we worked really hard on it for a few months, uh, and nothing really happened, didn't take off, so we tried some other things, but then a year later, we looked into these different affiliate accounts that we had set up, and it turned out that we had made a thousand dollars in about a year, which was like, wow, this is real money! I can't believe that happened. And we started working more and more on this. We may worked maybe five, ten hours a week. It wasn't more than that. Uh, evening times for two years, and we managed to get it from a thousand dollars per year to three thousand dollars a month, give or take. And then we decided to let's let's do this full time. Uh, and we gave it all our attention. We're now 22 years old, here's 2010. And we started playing around with this. We were building websites about all kinds of different topics. And we got good at ranking them high up in Google and making money on, on commission. Yeah. So we built websites about bingo to start with, but also business cards, payday loans, hotels, fashion. We tried all kinds of things. And we managed to do it well. So by the year 2012, we made about 50, $40,000 a month, something like that. So it, it got big. And that's when we got in contact with a, a VC company who had just sold, has, had just started this VC after selling a big casino. And they made took the profits to start this VC business. And we ended up selling half of our company you know, to those guys, kind of starting a new company and decided to do full focus on online casino, like building the same kind of guides, how to compare bonuses what customer supports is the best which website loads the fastest all kinds of things around that uh, and this was in 2012 so we gave all our focus to, to casino and started the company called katina media and we almost went bankrupt 2013 uh things did not start as well as we were hoped uh but 2014 15 16 things were just skyrocketing and we built Hundreds of websites about casino. We started buying lots of different companies. We put everything in under one umbrella, and we were basically ranking high up in Google on anything that had to do with casino. Wow! And then we took this company to the to the stock exchange in uh, the Nasdaq stock exchange in Sweden uh, in 2016. Uh, on the 11th of February, uh, my 28th birthday, actually. So that's the company we built was comparing casino bonuses and offers and customer supports and all kinds of things like that. And I left it in about a year later.
0: You talked earlier about having that sale and getting that check. And I instantly related. I, I never had like a big payday, so to speak. They've, um, it's it's just been gradually more and more and more, right? But I know exactly the feeling you're talking about. I used to think, man, if I just had $5,000 in my bank account, like, wow, you know? And now every quarter when, when we get payouts, I, I hardly even notice it anymore. And I'm not saying that by any means to be egotistical. I'm saying that because it, it just comes right back to that conversation where like, having money solves your money problem, right? But it doesn't solve your fulfillment problem. And I want to just talk more about that experience where the very next day, I'm sure you guys bought out and celebrated and you probably partied and like life was good. And then what happens when you wake up the next morning?
1: So I think for me, it was, it was about two weeks of, of high. Uh-huh. And then I, I woke yeah, up. That sounds right and I was feeling I was getting sick I probably left a lot of stress behind me and like pushed away a sickness for a long time and I felt that I don't really want to get out of bed I don't really want to do anything I don't know why am I feeling this way I'm supposed to be happy now all the story says and they live happily ever after but what the fuck mm. and I didn't really know what to do, and I, I realized that, okay, my, my relationship isn't good. I'd been with my, my girlfriend at the time for seven years, and our, I had definitely not invested in that relationship as I would have wanted to, and our sex life was crap. I had neglected a lot of my friends. I had been having a bottle of whiskey next to my bed for years because I couldn't sleep if I didn't drink before I went to bed because my head was constantly spinning. There was so many of these things that kind of dawned on me, like, okay, Eric, you have some other shit to deal with. And it took a long time to kind of first make time to to do that, first realize that, okay, I think here's, it's kind of a fork in the road where you need to say, okay, if I only have more money, then I would feel better. And you can keep fighting for more money. Or you take the other turn, like realize, okay, more money is not going to solve this. There are other deeper issues here that i haven't dealt with and dealing with those and i think i was i was at that fork in the road for about six months to a year thinking about what to do and then i broke up with my girlfriend or we broke up uh, and i tried to be alone i was a mess and that kind of started that kind of a foggy journey into figuring out life and it took a year to kind of realize what I wanted and who I was and whatever happened. And I've been through every kind of personal development thing out there. (laughs) I've tried all kinds of different stuff and been in all kinds of therapy and it's all been very, very helpful. And I felt that for the last year, year and a half, I've been very, very happy and I've made my health, my top priority, which I think is, I think that's the fundamental part about self-love is to take care of your own physical body. I think that's where self-love needs to start. If you don't take care of, of what, is, what is you in the sense or the most you we can understand, it's, it's really hard to really say that you care for yourself. So I think it, it started there and started with then making, I got back together with my girlfriend actually, and we're engaged now, um, pregnant even. Uh, it's a big difference thank you uh scariest time (laughs) (laughs) scary times but it feels good Uh, and i made like first my health my top priority and then i made her my top priority and those things have shifted so so many things but they've been very easy to neglect when the focus was always on the big prize pool
0: i'm very happy that you talked about health i personally have just always been into fitness and health. excuse me, and nutrition. And I I worry a lot when I see other entrepreneurs really, it's just that hustle mentality that I think it's sometimes you need it because sometimes you need to just be so laser focused that you sacrifice your sleep and your health and stuff to actually get something done. So I'm not like... I'll challenge that though.
1: So what I believe... Uh, The mistake that I did, and the mistake that I think most entrepreneurs do, is they believe that there is a sense of urgency, Mm. which is usually made up. Like, unless you struggle to pay the bills, there isn't a sense of urgency. Not to the extreme that I was building it up. It's like, it's not that I had to accomplish this in three years. I could have done it in 15 years and that would still have been very, very good. And I could have loved ride. I could have focused on keeping my health, my relationships well together, probably have a lot more energy. So I think most of the sense of urgency we create is just ego driven. At least it was for me. I want to do this as fast as possible. And that as fast as possible thing is
0: almost never real. Totally agree. And I I love how you said that. The the only times where I give people a pass, and I shouldn't say give people a pass, like I'm judging them. Like my experience was the same. When I was first starting, everything was so urgent. And I did a lot of reading. I really liked the the time urgency matrix, I think it's called the Stephen Covey thing where if you focus all of your day on things that are important but not urgent you actually get to where you're going faster because you're not wasting time on shit that doesn't matter and when i started living my life like that like i wake up and i read for like an hour and i chill you know and i get a healthy breakfast and and we work out and i mean more or less if i'm being honest i'm probably really working like deep focused work for like 5 hours a day and i feel more effective I feel like my decision making is is so much better and and it's all because of that I've I've slowly been able to rid myself of that like delusion of urgency because like you talked about it's like ego but also fear because you're scared that like you're going to fail you know so like you make up for that fear by just doing everything that you possibly can right now and uh and so I think in the beginning, especially if you're starting off and like, you got no money and bills are coming up. Like sometimes you got to have a few sleepless nights. Right. And that's fine. But, but the road to what we were talking about, to wealth and rich and happy, I think is built off of good decision-making and good judgment. And I think that urgency is the enemy of good judgment,
1: Definitely. Urgency is the enemy of most things. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I really love that, man. I'm so glad that you brought that up. So uh, I'm almost ready to get to great.com, but I just wanted to talk a little bit more about health because that's where I was going with that. Whereas um, when you started focusing on your health, I, I just, I, I find that when people are living in that urgent frame of mind, they never take care of themselves. You like sacrifice yourself, right, for this greater cause, and uh, I don't like that at all because you can never escape health. That's one of the things about fitness that like I admire so much is there's no cheating and there's no escape. Like the, what's the expression? Like the rooster will always come home to. whatever I'm blanked on the expression but you know what I'm saying like it will always catch up with you (laughs) and so I wanted to talk about your experience with actually taking your health seriously and, and and getting fit
1: I mean for me I love systems and I love habits yeah to me things need to be easy and enjoyable otherwise it's just a matter of time before I stop doing them so for me, the most, we, we can split up health in food, workout, and sleep. That's more or less health. And for me, food uh, is is crucial that for me to keep something, it needs to taste pretty good. It needs to be easy to do. And for most people, it, it can't be too costly. And for me, the solution to that has been smoothies. And I do the nice. same smoothie every day i prepare and when i say i i mean my lovely fiance because i can't take credit for it but she prepares 20 bags at the same time yes she prepares them and puts them in the freezer i just mix them with water and a huge smoothie every day which is blueberries raspberries avocado banana spinach broccoli ginger turmeric olive oil, yeah. water, and then a bunch of different like super powders, whatever I could find at the moment, like moringa, cinnamon, spirulina, all kinds of things. And I eat one of these every day, at least six days a week, but almost seven days a week. And that's like a full meal. Mm-hmm. And it makes it so easy to do every day, if I've only eaten that one, I've at least eaten something really good. And if I eat the pizza or whatever later, I know that at least half of what I ate that day was really good
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: it makes it so easy. It takes me less than three minutes to prepare. No stress, no stress, no nothing. And it tastes good enough. It's not it's not meant to be the best tasting thing ever, but it tastes so good that I, without a problem, can eat it every day. And suddenly with that alone, I'd say that I'd covered half of what food can do for your health. And if you replace, if you eat breakfast, I would replace breakfast with it. Because then you eat the same thing every day anyway. Most people eat the same breakfast. I replace lunch with it. So I eat it for lunch almost every day. So that alone and like cutting soda it's like also a very easy thing to do. just drink water instead of soda. Yep. If you do those two things, then you almost covered of what, what food can do for you. Sure, you can do more things, but that's super easy hack to do it. And then when it comes to workouts, for example, for me there are a couple of elements that are so important with workout. I need consistency. So I need to do it the same time, the same week, every every time. I do it Monday, Wednesday, Thursdays, now Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 10 o'clock, I work out and I need someone to hold me accountable. And it needs to be someone who works out more than I do. So you in my case, I have a trainer. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Without that, it's more, it's more hassle for me to cancel than it is to show up. Mm-hmm. And this could have been a friend, but I think a really important thing that is to pick a friend who works out more than you do, because otherwise you will need to put them out. So before I used to play squash as uh, so a played racquetball. Is it squash in, in English as well? Yeah.
0: Uh, I think there are two different rules technically but yeah
1: okay. we play squash The problem there was i played with a friend and then he was always traveling or i was traveling so ended up like two times out of three we canceled because people didn't show up that mm. is like so important that this happens and it needs to be at least 51% fun so i'm never going to the gym because the gym is not 51% fun or more so it can be football i enjoy that i do muay thai most of the time thai boxing i enjoy that I enjoy squash. It's like 51% fun. It's similar to like the taste of food. If it tastes too crappy, you're not going to continue. But if it tastes better than 51%, you can do it every day. So that's like, when it comes to training, that was my solution. I do Thai boxing three times a week. I have same time always in my calendar, sticking to it, do it in the morning, have a trainer. I mean, I can luckily afford a trainer, but otherwise have a friend, someone who holds you accountable. Mm -hmm. When it comes to, to sleep, Like one of the most horrible advice out there on social media is to sleep less and get more dumbest
0: thing I've ever heard. Dumbest thing! I can't believe it. When I see that shit on Twitter, I just all the time. Yeah.
1: What What I do that my best habits when it comes to sleep is that I have no screens after eight p.m. So I turn on flight mode on my phone and I put away and I'm not in front of my computer after eight p.m. And then I I read or I listen to audiobooks or I play guitar or I just hang out with my girlfriend and. Usually I'm tired at 10 and then I fall asleep at 10.30 and I wake up without an alarm. And I think waking up without an alarm, it's such an important thing for health. But if you have a screen and you're staring into a screen all evening, at least I, I can't fall asleep after doing that. There's notifications flying all over the place. I've been staring into what's more or less a flashlight since you're just looking at things. It's like dopamine all over the place. So, With those three things alone, like eating a smoothie every day, finding a workout routine that you enjoy, not just hate, and no screens after 8 p.m., those three things alone, I'd say covers 80, 90% of what you need to do to get healthy.
0: Man, Eric, you and I are so similar. Like, I do all exactly the same stuff. Waking (laughs) up without an alarm, I can't even tell you. Like... Once you get your sleep into a habit, especially the end of the night habit, right? I, I, I'm a big graphic novel fan. I always have been. I just love comics. And so I, have, I always have a graphic novel at the side of my bed. And I get in there and I read a graphic novel every single night. And within like 10 minutes, I'm always kind of going like this. And I just <laughs> fall asleep at the same time every day. And then I wake up at the same time every day. And I haven't had an alarm. And I couldn't even tell you the last time just as soon as you said i love systems i knew that i was gonna appreciate everything (laughs) that you said because for me it really is that simple like the less you think about it the easier it is and so you just develop these systems to monitor your health and your routines and your sleep and your fitness and and it's really easy like i eat basically the same thing every day um we're just so similar with that i was everything you said i kind of kept getting (laughs) taken back like damn i do the same thing That's great. Okay, man. Well, look, we're, we're 45 minutes in. You've been so gracious with your time. Um, I want to make sure that we talk about great.com because, I mean, wow, hell of an organization that, that you have, hell of a domain name, first of all. Like, as an SEO myself, I saw that. I was like, Jesus, that <laughs> was at least a 50 grand domain name. So, <laughs> like, good luck on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. 900, Kate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> so um. So just open-ended question, man. Tell me about great.com, what you're trying to accomplish, who you're trying to serve.
1: Okay. So for me, so I built Katina Media with a beautiful team and yeah. the purpose of building it as big as possible, as quickly as possible to sell it and make money. That was kind of the intention. And then I figured out that, hey, life is longer than 28 years. I need to do something else for the rest of my life. So now I kind of flipped that around and said, I want to build something for as long as possible. And I want this to be ridiculously big and ridiculously profitable by the year 2070. And it doesn't matter if it's not profitable now or the next five years. It's, I want it to be extremely big 50 years from now. And to put that into perspective, Amazon is a 25-year-old company. So that's like twice the time that Amazon has been around. So that's a very key distinction is I'm trying to make all the decisions based on what will be the best thing 50 years from now wow. and not what would be the next trend, what will be the next hype, whatnot. So that's a key thing to keep in mind. The second thing is that I wanted to be the most trusted company in the world. Because Right now, there isn't really any thing that is completely trusted. I think that trust is one of the most scarce resources out there. There are some people that people trust. But to me, if you say the most trusted company in the world, I don't have an answer to that question. And that's weird. Uh, That's what I would like to accomplish. For example, I want to buy headphones. Uh, I started researching headphones the other day. And I realized that everything that I find feels completely biased. Maybe it's not biased, but everything feels biased. I don't know who to trust. I don't know anything. You can partly trust like client reviews on Amazon, but you can't really compare them to each other because everyone just bought one pair of headphones. No one bought them all. So you can't really say what's good or what's bad. So I want to build that website that compares everything, all kinds of different products and services that you can buy, everything you can do, and then make unbiased reviews of it and the way to make it unbiased is that we are gonna give away 100% of our profits in great for eternity I'm never gonna make any profit from this and I can say that because I don't need the money I don't want the money I want to make a big big difference so for us to give away hundred percent of the profits makes sense and it can help us create that trust so 50 years from now I want anyone who's gonna make any purchase decision to come to great.com and see what should I buy and then trust our reviews. So that's like the long, long, long-term game. The short-term game, what we're doing right now is applying this to online casino, which ironically is very far from the most trusted industry in the world. But it's also where, why we believe that's, that's where the trust is most needed. It's very far from charity. No one is giving away their profits in casino, which is why we wanna give away the profits. And I come from the casino industry, I know the casino industry inside out, I know that we can build this and start with that foundation. And if we if we can make trust our core thing within the casino, we can make it anywhere. So that's what we're doing right now. We're testing customer support, we're testing how fast pages load, testing all kinds of things within the casino industry. And we make money on on commission, and we donate 100% of our profits. And that's kind of the overarching very long-term plan of things and we'll see how it turns out
0: there's two things you said there that really caught my attention you said that you want it to be as profitable as possible but you're still donating the profits and i think that comes right back around to that idea that we talked about from the very beginning where like you still have this scalable mentality because you know that the profit machine of it has more utility, like you can apply it to things and, and get the most out of it. But it's still a charitable organization in the sense that you're giving it away. But the, the value of what you're giving away is, how do I say this, is like worth more than what it is on its own, right? And I just, I love how you have that mindset and you've learned that lesson, but now you're applying it. It's not just some shit that you come on a podcast and you talk about like, how you're happy now, right? Like you're actually taking this and you're applying it to your work and to the value in the world. And I think that's really cool for real. I think that's really cool. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, thank you, man. Like, thank you. I I've was following your work and, and I always say one of the coolest things about this podcast is you know, what it does for me and like my brand and stuff, but more or less, it's just an opportunity to talk to amazing people for an hour without cell phones and like really just get to learn stories. And it's, it's been such a great value in my life and, and hearing your story and knowing that there's other people out there that kind of think about these things in the way that I do. And that like, you know, it's okay to, to want to do work that helps me, but also helps everybody else at the same time. You know, I just think more people need to be honest about money and about making it and about doing stuff with it as opposed to just like fucking instagram selfies with cars and that nonsense you know <laughs> for sure yeah um all right eric so all right we got great.com um i didn't i didn't catch what were your what your podcast was tell people where to find your podcast so we have a
1: podcast called BecomingGreat.com, which is Partly a reality TV show kind of of how we're building great, what kind of struggles we run into business opportunities or challenges and whatnot, but we're also doing a lot of episodes, which is very focused on personal development and personal growth uh, something that separates us from most podcasts out there is that we don't have any guests. It's me and my friend Emil, who is the smartest guy I, I know. He's a personal development geek. deluxe. He's a freaking genius. So we're only, we're digging down into concepts that we apply in our lives. So for example, smoothies and health and all kinds of things mm-hmm. and trying to just give as much condensed value as possible uh, in each episode. So it's, you can find becominggreat.com, the podcast in iTunes, YouTube or Spotify, wherever. And then I'm on I'm Instagram. I do a lot of things on Instagram. I'm smiling Eric, Eric with a K and the same Twitter handle. So that's pretty much where to find me.
0: Great. Well, I will link all of that stuff in the show notes. Eric, I really appreciate your time. Once again, um, we ran a little bit over and so, so I appreciate it. Like, thank you for sharing your story and I look forward to keeping in touch.
1: Thank you for having me. My pleasure. All right, brother.
0: Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.